Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. That translates to, we come in peace, unless you release birds at us, then all bets are off. Hi, I'm Reese Hendrick, host of Science Factual. Get your tinfoil hats and your shotguns ready, load up the Slim Whitman on the tape deck, and let's defend the planet against them pesky Martians, because this week we take a look at the Tim Burton sci-fi classic, Mars Attacks. We're going to fix that damn translator in order to bring you the real facts behind the film and cast, as well as an interview with the hilarious Kelly Irwin at My Father's Place in Southeast Portland. There's a comedy open mic there every Friday with signups at 8.30. That's hosted by Michael J. Phelps, who we'll be having on this show in three weeks to talk about the newly released Don't Look Up, which was awesome, and I encourage people very much to watch. Alrighty, folks, let's get into some facts, but before I do, you know I have to issue a worldwide... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! That's a spoiler alert for you. If you've never seen Mars Attacks, then what are you really doing with your life? Reevaluate. Center yourself. Maybe smoke a little devil's lettuce. Alright? Put on some tin foil. Put it up in your windows. Do nothing else for the next day and watch this movie. If you're not in a position to do that because you're in a public place like online at the deli or not listening during that very important Zoom meeting you're currently in attendance of, not to worry. Just press pause. Then go to the store, get some tin foil, and get ready for a fun time. But before we get into the movie itself, we have to delve into the inspiration behind the film. In 1962, Topps, the trading card company, released their now infamous Mars Attacks cards and faced an almost immediate public backlash. So much so that a complaint from a Connecticut district attorney caused Topps to stop producing the cards altogether. So what was the big deal? The 55-card set told the story of a Martian invasion and near destruction of Earth in gruesome visual detail, which we don't, you know, we're so desensitized today, such visualizations wouldn't really phase us, but back in 1962, that was a pretty big deal. And kids may have loved the cards, but parents naturally hated them, which I can attest to. Uh, during the film rendition of these pesky Martians, uh, my mother took me to see a matinee showing of uh, Mars Attacks when I was just a kid in South Florida, and we ended up leaving just about uh, around when the scene where Pierce Brosnan and Sarah Jessica Partner start making out his heads. After much chagrin, we got our money back and promptly left the theater. However, I do remember finishing the movie at a friend's house a few months later because he had the VHS and their mom was far more lenient, uh, or more likely didn't know what she was letting us watch. And the Tops incident isn't nearly as prolific as another Martian scandal, the infamous War of the Worlds broadcast by Orson Welles. Um, I was going to do this in a separate episode regarding radio broadcasts and science fiction, so look for a more in-depth uh, review of that particular broadcast, but here's a quick synopsis about the War of the Worlds. The War of the Worlds is an episode of the American radio drama anthology series The Mercury Theater on the Air, directed and narrated by actor and future filmmaker Orson Welles as an adaptation of H.G. Wells' novel The War of the Worlds, which he wrote in 1898. The two are of no relation. It was performed and broadcast live as a Halloween episode at 8 p.m. on Sunday, October 30th, 1938, over the Columbia Broadcasting System radio network. The episode became famous for causing panic among its listening audience, although the scale of panic is disputed as the program had relatively few listeners at the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, despite the alleged suicides being debunked and hospital records showing no reported injuries, uh, the story of the War of the Worlds has become important to the American identity, even if it is as a hoax. Let's take a listen. We are bringing you an eyewitness account of what's happening on the Wilmoth Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. 
now return you to Carl Phillips at Grover's Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, my aunt. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, here I am, back of a stone wall that adjoins Mr. Wilmer's garden. From here, I get a sweep of the whole scene. I'll give you every detail as long as I can talk and as long as I can see. More state police have arrived. They're drawing up a cordon in front of the pit. About 30 of them. No need to push the crowd back now. They're willing to keep their distance. The captain's conferring with someone. Can't quite see who. Oh, yes, I believe it's Professor Pearson. Yes, it is. Now, now they've parted, and the professor moves around one side, studying the object while the captain and two policemen advance with something in their hands. I can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole. Flag of truce. If those creatures know what that means, what anything means. Wait a minute. Something's happening. A humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lord, they're turning into flames. Ah! Oh, the whole field's caught up by the woods. The fires, the, the gas tanks, tanks of the automobiles spreading everywhere. Coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. In the meantime, we have a late bulletin from San Diego, California. Professor Indelkoffer, speaking at a dinner of the California Astronomical Society, expressed the opinion that the explosions on Mars are undoubtedly nothing more than severe volcanic disturbances on the surface of the planet. We continue now with our piano interlude. I don't know, that sounds pretty convincing. If radio was my only form of news and entertainment, and large-scale hoaxes were not really a known thing, I would likely freak out hearing that broadcast. I mean, it's easy to say now, what with CGI and everything, and the societal norm of pranking people, that most wouldn't fall for such a simple hoax today. Not unless there were irrefutable proof that can't be replicated with CGI, which today is just about nothing. Mars Attacks has undoubtedly one of the most stacked casts in history, most notably attached to a movie that was initially met with less than favorable reviews. Tim Burton's sci-fi spoof was a massive flop on first release. This is because audiences were expecting a straight science fiction film when what they got was in fact a comedy. Let's do a quick head count. We have Glenn Close, Martin Short, Pierce Brosnan, Danny DeVito, Michael J. Fox, and Sarah Jessica Parker, which were just a few of the big names on this movie's mile-long list of stars. And yet, when the casting process began, Mars Attack struggled to attract any players with serious marquee value. Agents didn't want to see their star clients playing loser roles, and a lot of big acts passed on the project. At one point, they thought they were going to even have to cancel the film. The guy who saved their butts was Jack Nicholson. According to Burton, the Academy Award winner was enthusiastic about joining Mars Attacks from the very start. After sending Jack Nicholson the script, Burton gave him a call while location scouting. You know, which part would you like to do, he asked. He goes, how about all of them, in classic Nicholson fashion. In the end, he was double cast as President Dale and as sleazy Vegas businessman uh, Art Land. Once word got around that Nicholson would be involved, other celebs lined up to join the ensemble. We started getting requests from more and more stars uh, than there were parts for, uh, Gems noted. It was like a tidal wave when Jack came on, which I can definitely see. Let's take a look at all of the notable cast members and their roles for the film. Starting off, of course, we have Jack Nicholson. He plays President James Dale and Art Land. Then we have Glenn Close, who plays First Lady Marcia Dale. Annette Benning, who plays Barbara Land. Pierce Brosnan, who plays Professor Donald Kessler. Danny DeVito, who's the rude gambler who gets uh, killed in Vegas by one of the Martians. That's a very funny scene. Martin Short, who is the press secretary, Jerry Ross. He deals with the very uh, salacious Barbara Eden type. Uh, who he picks up and brings to the White House and unfolds his ultimate demise. We have Sarah Jessica Parker as the uh, very intrepid uh, Natalie Lake. Michael J. Fox as Jason Stone. Rod Steger as General Decker. Tom Jones as himself. We'll get to him in a little bit. Lucas Haas as Richie Norris. uh, Ends up saving the world with his grandma. That's a fun story. Uh, Natalie Portman as Taffy Dale. Jim Brown as Byron Williams, the Martian punch and legend. 
Lisa Marie plays the Martian girl uh, who, who had that dalliance with Martin Short's character. We have Sylvia Sidney, Grandma Florence Norris. We're going to get to her in just a second as well. Paul Winfield is General Casey. That was a funny death. Pam Greer is Louise Williams. Jack Black is Billy Glenn Norris. That's another funny death. Uh, Janice Rivera as uh, Byron's co-worker and uh, Cleopatra type. We have Ray J of uh, different film fame. He played Cedric Williams. And then Brandon Hammond plays his uh, younger brother, Neville Williams. We have John Doe Baker as Richie's dad, Olan Jones as Sue Ann Norris, and Christina Applegate as Sharona. You know, this list is incomplete, of course, without really getting back to Sylvia Sidney, otherwise known as the saddest eyes in Hollywood, also known as the savior of mankind and Slim Whitman enthusiast, Grandma Norris, without whom we'd all be speaking Martian right now. So pay due respect to the elderly, goddammit. Um, at any rate, Sylvia Sidney was born in the Bronx, New York City, on August 8, 1910, as Sophia Kassau to Jewish parents. An actress during the Gilded Age of Hollywood, she has an incredibly storied career, appearing on stage just about as often as she did on film, if not more. She passed in 1999 from throat cancer in New York City, where she was born and raised. Mars Attacks reunited Tim Burton with legendary actor Jack Nicholson, who earned raves portraying the Joker in the director's 1989 classic, Batman. Nicholson was cast in two roles, developer Art Land and President of the United States, James Dale. The latter role was seemingly perfect. Presidents are supposed to be authoritative figures, and who in Hollywood has more stature than Jack? Okay, so maybe there are a few equal to him in this regard. Some of those actors were even considered for the role of President Dale before he was. Warren Beatty, for example, a true contemporary of Nicholson's, was initially cast in the part. He dropped out, although his wife Annette Benning remained a cast member. During a crucial moment in the film, Jack Nicholson's President Dale watches a television broadcast as some scientists and aides make contact with the Martians in the town of Pa Rump, Nevada. It ends with the aliens opening fire and killing a lot of humans with their ray guns. The town's name may seem like a silly-sounding moniker made up by screenwriters seeking a cheap giggle, but Pa Rump is quite real, and there's a very specific reason as to why it was chosen for this scene. Pa Rump is the residence of Art Bell, an author and radio show host. Bell's stock and trade was covering paranormal subjects, including UFO sightings and other unexplainable phenomena. He was also known for loving conspiracy theories. The more, quote, out there, the better. The show he hosted, Coast to Coast AM, ran overnight and was syndicated to radio stations across the country where it developed a following of like-minded listeners. Bell, now retired, eventually left that program, moving on to host Art Bell's Dark Matter for Sirius XM. This, too, was based out of Paw Rump. That hostile Martians would land in the town where Bell made a name for himself, preferring cosmic conspiracies, is a great big inside joke. Danny Elfman's score was a musical tribute to the golden age of sci-fi cinema. Elfman, who provided the soundtrack for every previous Tim Burton film, with the exception of Ed Wood in 1994, gave Mars Attacks some decidedly old-school background music. Quote, the goal was to invoke the 50s and that sci-fi sound that Tim and I both grew up on, end quote, he told The Vulture. To pull this off, he made liberal use of one of history's first electronic instruments, the theremin. Invented by and named after Russian scientist Leon Theremin, it produces an eerie humming wail. Throughout the 1950s, film composers embraced the oral gadget as a perfect mood setter for science fiction and horror pictures. Due to its usage in such movies as The Day the Earth Stood Still and The Thing from Another World, both released in 1951, the public came to associate theremins with stories about extraterrestrial visitors. Elfman deliberately capitalized on this by using said instrument as a key component of the ominous Alien March theme in his Mars Attacks score. For those of you who don't know, Danny Elfman was the singer, guitarist, and songwriter for the seminal 80s rock band Oingo Boingo. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Because it's a dead man's party, leave your body at the door. Their biggest hit was the eponymous theme song from Weird Science, but they had many other great tunes as well. On the side, Elfman composed film scores. He and Tim Burton first worked together on Pee-wee's Big Adventure, 
and they continued to collaborate on every subsequent movie from the director. Then they had a falling out, which led to Elfman not doing the score for Ed Wood, a picture he would have been particularly suited for. The feud lasted several years, but the pair eventually patched things up, with Elfman returning to compose the music for Mars Attacks. He explained the incident to the Huffington Post, saying that his work writing the songs and score for Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas had been a two-and-a-half-year project, and he had also scored the director's Batman Returns in the middle of that process. The stress put a strain on their relationship. Basically, they got together after some time and said, let's just never speak of it, and everything's been okie-dokie ever since. With that, one of the great modern cinematic collaborations was saved. During concept, Burton actually wanted his Martians to be animated via stop motion. The concept of a Mars Attacks movie first surfaced in 1985, but development wouldn't begin in earnest until 1994, when screenwriter John Gems and director Tim Burton got involved with the project. To bring the aliens to life, Burton intended to utilize stop-motion animation, something he's always loved and always will. I mean, look at his other films. Nightmare Before Christmas is a great example. Early in pre-production, a set of 12-inch articulated Martian models were built for testing purposes. At first, Burton's plan was to have these animated in front of a blue screen. They would then be inserted digitally onto miniature sets by the artists at Industrial Light and Magic, ILM. Ultimately, though, Burton decided to abandon the stop-motion approach when ILM presented him with some impressive screen tests featuring computer-animated aliens instead. Despite this, Mars Attacks still pays tribute to the older effects technique. At Burton's instruction, ILM animated the digital extraterrestrials as if they were stop-motion puppets. This is why the Martians move a bit more rigidly than did most contemporary CG characters such as the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, released three years earlier in 1993. The Martians in this film mainly communicate with a series of duck-like ack, ack, ack noises. Burton traces their monosyllabic language back to one fateful day in pre-production. They were working with a storyboard and a cheap tape recorder, and they didn't even remember who in fact started it. They just used yak, 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 yak as a placeholder for when Martians were to speak. Burton maintains that this improvised squawk ended up kind of sticking. It just seemed like their voice. And on the other hand, two of the film's uncredited screenwriters believe that they devised this particular sound effect with nary a recorder in sight. It's interesting what people will come up with. While the script was being fine-tuned, Scott Alexander and Lara Karaszewski, the scribes behind Burton's Ed Wood biopic, made some heavy revisions to Gem's original screenplay. The pair claims that the ack, ack, ack shtick was sort of their idea. Supposedly, while Gem's script often calls for the aliens to talk, he didn't give them any actual dialogue. Alexander then started typing Ack over and over again as a verbal placeholder. All the while, neither man suspected that the utterance would make its way into the finished movie. Quote, we didn't know Tim was just going to take that and use it, Karajewski says. Mars Attacks was initially intended to be a summer release, but it didn't end up hitting cinemas until December 13th, 1996. Despite the delay, Warner Brothers had high hopes that that it proved to be a holiday blockbuster. After all, it came from one of the hottest directors in town and featured an impressive all-star cast, including Pierce Brosnan, Sarah Jessica Parker, Glenn Close, Michael J. Fox, Jack Nicholson. Uh, that wish didn't ultimately come to pass, however. The movie was a surprise flop, earning just $37.7 million in its North American run. Because it wasn't a huge box office hit, and because the reviews were middling at best, you might assume that Mars Attacks was not on the awards contender list. You'd only be partially right, though. It's true that the movie wasn't recognized by any of the major award bodies, no Oscar nominations, although it did make the shortlist for Best Visual Effects, no Golden Globes, no BAFTAs. That said, it was recognized by several other notable organizations, but really not that notable. Just kidding. The Saturn Awards, created to honor outstanding accomplishments in science fiction, horror, and fantasy, nominated it for seven awards, including Best Science Fiction Film, Best Director, and Best Special Effects. It won a single award, allowing Danny Elfman to take home Best Music Prize. The Art Directors Guild nominated the movie for excellence in production design, and the Hugo Awards, which also honors sci-fi, named it as one of the contenders for Best Dramatic Presentation. 
Topping it all off was an MTV Movie Award nomination in the Best Fight category for a brawl between Jim Brown and an alien. While not your typical awards bait, Mars Attacks certainly did receive some acclaim in that area. Up next, we have an interview with Kelly Irwin, a Portland comic who is still very much alive and is the host of an awesome open mic at Firkins Tuesdays at 8.30. I know it's like when she wanted something, she'd be like... Your sister. Ah. Yeah, like when we were little. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Or if she wanted like something like on a TV commercial, like a toy, she'd be like... Ah. Like, <laughs> Did this come from Mars Attacks? Is this a, no, it's just, a, she's just creepy from... as fuck. It's okay. just a really odd noise for a child to make, yeah. Fair enough. Like, well, use your words. For, for the voice that's uh, other than my own, that you may or may not be familiar with, that's Kelly Irwin. Hi. Oh, are we on? Okay. We're on, yeah, we're doing it now. We're doing it. Awesome. We're at my father's place. Hell yeah. In southeast Portland. Uh, typically, there's a mic that's held here on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what is your mic is at Firkin's Lounge? It is. It is at Firkin Tavern, which Tavern. yeah, Firkin Tavern, which is every Tuesday starting at eight thirty ish. I always say, you know, depending on technical difficulties. Portland but, time. Yeah, Portland. Yeah, eight thirty Portland time. So I mean, I if I can get started early, I will. It's just kind of, you know. Sure. We just try to play it by ear. We've had some issues. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you. I'll probably have another one of these in a little bit. Like, uh, not um, too long. <laughs> this is the first time I've been out of yeah. my house in like two weeks, so I'm. Welcome. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Thank you much. And one for me. There we go. Oh, Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Kelly. And that's yes. a that's a beer on Kelly. Usually, oh, I, I tell people I, I like to. I started You're this with. You with Chris Hudson was getting people an iced tea. I will get you an iced tea if you like at some point in the future. I think I'm good. That's, that's the, yeah? What about have... a Long Island iced tea? Yeah, that, well, I mean, yeah, I'll take one. God, I haven't had one of those in years, but I feel like that's just like every drink at the bar poured into one, but it right. tastes good, which is kind yeah. of a miracle. It's, it's, King, <laughs> it's King's Cup with lemonade. Yeah, but... Like yeah, you have one and you're done. Maybe I should start drinking that. <laughs> yeah, I only, that's a good look. Maybe like half of one, like a little bit. No. Usually, I, I like to conserve by getting the IPA at Trader Joe's because it's a six pack for five dollars. Yeah, they do have cheap wine too, like a three dollar. Three buck chuck. What did you get? Uh, I this is a, an IPA. IPA is. Do you think they can hear that when the cars go by and make that? I think they heard that that person needs to get their brakes changed. It's not going to be the only time it happens all winter. We'll be lucky That's if we okay. don't hear somebody like yelling or screaming or waving their wiener at us through the window. Yeah, that is that is liable to happen uh, <laughs> with what we got going on across the street. But mm-hmm. um, in the meantime, what's your Instagram? Oh, okay, yeah, it is just my first and last name with a one. It's super, K-E-L-L-I-E, Irwin, I-R-W-I-N like the crocodile guy and then just the number one because i am basic and did not want to sit there forever and try to come up with a cool name that's totally cool you know if somebody starts <laughs> searching kelly Irwin, you're yeah gonna, you're gonna come up i will be there yes yeah. as long as you spell it well yeah with an ie then you're good cool then i'll be there all right uh so let me ask you this what was your first exposure to mars attacks i mean i think that the first time I watched it was probably like years ago when it first came out, and did you see it in theaters or on no, VHS? Nope. Yeah, probably VHS, but wasn't that into it. But now when I watched it this time, I was like, "This is fucking awesome! Yeah. This is so hilarious!" It's the cast is, you know, when when it first starts out and it's you know playing all the names, I was like, "Holy shit!" Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, Pierce, Br- like, it just the names of all the stars in it just keep going, and I'm like, okay, now, like, being older seeing it, I enjoyed it so much more. Yeah, and it's such a stacked cast. Yeah, that's what I noticed when I was a kid, even, because there were all these names from other movies that mm-hmm. I were being introduced to, and, you know, that's kind of a, it's an homage to old sci-fi films, like B-films that, you know, like, would be, uh, quote-unquote, celebrity killers. So, like, you'd see a, a bunch of big names, and there'd be, like, a sci-fi yeah. invasion of some sort of alien force, and they'd all get killed off. 
So it's, it's kind of like that. A young, it, young it, Jack Black. Right, totally. I was like, he was so With thin. With the, tooth, the toothbrush haircut, I, like in the marine outfit, yeah. I that really, might be the thinnest I wonder how young he Jack is in Black that. is ever in. Yeah. Uh, I would say early 20s. Yeah. 1996. I prefer he him the, the way he looks now, but because I barely recognize him, it didn't seem right. But he, he did, is a sweet, sweet bear daddy right now. He is. He did a good job though in that, like yeah. being that asshole older brother. <laughs> yeah. That everybody's proud of. That's kind of a douchebag. Well, no, full douchebag. Yeah, full douchebag. But, but you know, he, he enjoys those. Uh, um, uh, thank you for your service, no matter what you did. Kind of, you know, like. But it's like somebody just I five like people in a row said, "Thank you for your service." Do I really need to add on to it? And I'm like, I. Just, you kind of do. It. You kind of do. They're, Ameri- they're American heroes. You have to say it. Yeah, you have to say it. You have to say it. You have to say it, or you're fucked. <laughs> what, what was your first ex- uh, exposure to Tim Burton, like as a oh. director, producer, kind of like what, like? Because mine, mine was Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, when I was like, that's how I found out who Tim Burton was. Then Beetlejuice, then Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, definitely Beetlejuice. Oh, epic, epic! One of my first favorite films of his, for sure. Yeah, I loved Beetlejuice. It wasn't even scary to me. He had a way of making Tim Burton has a way of making like things that should be scary so colorful and creative and Mm. not scary. And I am a fucking wuss at scary movies. So, but I loved Beetlejuice. And I loved like Corpse Bride mm. and Well well I actually you know. met Michael Keaton in line at Pete's Coffee in Los Angeles. How was uh, it? It was amazing. I, I, I was on my phone for you know, like five minutes waiting in line and I look up and all of a sudden I, I see this dude and he kinda looks like Michael Keaton. And as I'm staring at him more and more, I'm like, Oh, it is him. And like what do you do, right? Like you tap him on the shoulder, be like <laughs> Fan out. That's <laughs> like, creepy, yeah. Yeah. Well I, I did. And I, I <laughs> You're creepy. I am a like, creepy guy, yeah. But I said, You're my favorite Batman. And, oh, and yeah. he said thank you. And yeah, it's true. That's cool. He is he is my favorite Batman. That's cool. Yeah. I don't even I'm so bad at remembering like what celebrities were in what show or uh, names, character you know, I can remember if I see you kinda terrible names. But there's a reason uh, why you watch Mars Attacks today. <laughs> yeah, I did. I rewatched it today. Well, I also it is on Netflix right now. Yeah, it's now, on Netflix. So, and I haven't seen it on any of the streaming venue, streaming venue, whatever platforms. Yeah, yeah for, for a minute, for yeah, a yeah. real long time. Sure. So I thought that it was cool just to see it there, and I remembered seeing it. I don't even think I made it through the whole thing when I was younger because I was just like. But now when I watched it, I was like, this is fucking great. This is hilarious. My mother made us leave theaters. Really? Yeah, the scene with Sarah Jessica Parker and uh, Pierce Brosnan when they're just heads on, like, the crashing ship and they're making out. (gasps) That's one of my favorites. Same. It's a great... No kissing? She didn't want to do any... She's going to make it fuck. There's going to be no... There's going to be no P in the V. It's just skull to skull there. There's no P. There's no T. There's no A. But, but there, you know, uh, she... uh, I think it was because... And a lot of people went into it like this. You know, they thought it was going to be a sci-fi movie for sure. It, yeah, it is. It is, way. but it's also more so a comedy, I would say. Oh, like, it's definitely so a comedy. So, y- to go into it thinking like, oh, it's going to be... So she was trying to take you to like a sci-fi boy, like boys type movie? Are you a... Is it just you, or do you have a big family? Do you have brothers? I'm an only child. Okay, so she was trying my, to take my her My only living to... relatives are my father and my mother's mother. Okay. So she was trying to take her son to a, like a, mo- a boys movie. Yeah. To, you know, right. and thinking that she was going to have to talk about like kissing later. How she, old were you? I was six. Six. Yeah. Well, but but the movie. Six. So I remember this vividly. The 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 weekend before that, we saw Porky's, or they rented Porky's, what? and I was watching. You watched Porky's, and the, you can't watch at the foot of their bed. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's you know. So great yeah. movie, also. But there's a reason I'm a comedian. Holy shit. I can't believe she. Well, maybe she just left because she. I think there's a different reason she left. I don't think she liked the movie. And we she also was like, left Let's during Blade Trinity. Yeah, she she, <clears throat> she leaves when it's a horrible movie. Yeah, to her. Well, <laughs> I mean, Blade. In, in all intents I mean, and purposes, Blade Trinity is a horrible. Movie. Yeah, so she she's like, oh, let's get the fuck out of here. I don't yeah. want to see this. Which I can prove that, but. So it wasn't, you don't think it was because of the kissing, or are you for sure? No, I think that was just a catalyst for how ridiculous the movie was on a whole, that she was just like, you know what, I, I, I'm i good on this. Because <laughs> I could see, like, if 
And this Here's... is how Jewish we are. It was a 99 cent matinee. Oh, I love it. Oh, and we and she got our money back. Oh, yeah, solid. Yes, yes, Jewish mom. Yay. She's doing it. Good. She I, did. I, uh, I, I could see for a second, like some of the violence being an issue. If like maybe Pierce Brosnan's head was like dripping blood or anything. Mm. Nope, it wasn't. And, yeah, and there really clean. was no blood. It was just green alien like like Nickelodeon slime through like the whole thing so it wasn't it was, really yeah. anything gruesome it was like just kind of weird like I think I right. remember my mom being like well that that movie's just that's stupid I don't want to watch it you know and she probably if she actually paid 99 cents to take me to the theaters to see that yeah she'd want to leave definitely immediately sure I mean you know what does a dollar cost anymore anyway hmm. um so we kind of went over this, but are, are you a serial watcher? Maybe not of this, but of things. You know, like you've seen the movie what twi- twice, three times, maybe. Like as of today, twice. Twice. Yeah, and yeah. I definitely was multitasking while I watched it. But you can, because <laughs> like I get really, sure. I get really turned off when things get too like shoot 'em up. Even if it is like alien shoot 'em up, like the loud, like pew pew pew, whatever it does, that's actually more entertaining than a lot of, like, gun violence and some of that. I don't know. I just put my head down and I was doing, like, other stuff on my computer that I need to finish. Sure. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a great background movie. It is. Yeah. It's, that's what it is. It's yeah. really good. It's kind of like when I watch, like, really stupid TV, you know? Well, when nerds get too serious about stuff, you get things like Heaven's Gate, you know? Like, like... The, the the suicide cult in the nineties they were they, they were trying to follow the hail bob comet uh, or a UFO rather that was travel that was tailing it and that's why they all committed suicide what? simultaneously that they're the ones that wore the Nikes and the I have matching no idea what you're talking about okay right so now. yeah it was this like weird sci-fi cult that this started is real. In, this is real that started in the mid seventies led by a guy named Marshall Applewhite does Phil Knight know about this the Nikes. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure he got a memo <laughs> when it occurred, yeah. Uh, but um, speaking of sci-fi, uh, Nichelle Nichols' brother, Thomas Nichols, was okay. a, was one of the guys that committed suicide with the group and used to boast that his sister was in Star Trek to get, like, clout in the group. That's a very base... I'm confused a little. I'll just yeah. admit it. Okay, so they committed suicide because they are trying to find aliens and yeah, they, they didn't find them? or They could have. We don't know. But they, they didn't come back to tell us. But what I do know is that they... Yeah, what was the purpose of the like group suicide? They they were shedding their mortal coil in order to join these aliens? intergalactic aliens. Oh, jeez. Everybody yeah. knows the aliens pick you. Right, You right. cannot be picked by them. They have to pick yeah. you. Well, and they're, speaking to that, Eisenhower in 54, uh, or 52, he, he had a meeting with the greys, or the, the tall greys and the whites, the... The al- th- those aliens uh, purportedly and that's how they started Majestic 12 that's a group of high level government officials who are knowledgeable of alien abductions and they agreed over the course of so many years 640,000 people to be subjected to alien uh, probing and scientific experiments. So this is like Men in Black for real. like Or not Men in Black, uh, I'm sorry, Independence Day when they go underground and they're right. like, it's, what do they call it? Like, Area 51. A- yeah, Area 51. Or 52 or 53. Whatever, I mean, yeah. like there are some... So I, I, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to tell you to bring your tinfoil hat. but uh, I love Will Smith in that movie. I love Will Smith except for the fact that he's a Scientologist. Currently? Really? To the best of my knowledge... I'm gonna figure. So is there's Beck. no way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jada's a- Jada's doing that like roundtable, like video. Yeah, but like, Jada got out like Katie. Aren't they still? Well, like, aren't they married? Or even if they're divorced, are they like? Are they fucking Pete Davidson together? I don't know. I, I, uh, well, let's hope so. I don't I hope, yeah. know who isn't For fucking Pete's him. Sake. You know, I think everybody's fucking Pete Davidson. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I was. Um, all right, bringing it back to Mars Attacks. Yeah, I mean... What, what's your favorite scene? Oh, I I definitely love the scene where the aliens... They've already invaded at this point, but they're watching TV mm. and they, like, hate it. And then they're drinking martinis, but then it gets to um, that cowboy movie, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. And they're like, yes, all right. And they stop there and they're just like casually drinking martinis and watching Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> that and like the scene where 
Sarah Jessica Parker and Pierce Brosnan are like gonna try to make out without their bodies right. you know when she's the chihuahua and he's the floating head yeah that was super epic well it's a great scene <clears throat> yeah and uh it's real love you know i I'm, i've always been cu- <laughs> it's true love, true love yeah. i've always been curious because you know like, i've worked with green screens and blue screens a lot and There's a lot of green screens in that one a lot of but you know how did they get the heads to roll so well because they're rolling like very pretty organically when they're trying to come together to kiss. They probably just laid on the ground and, and rolled their ri- bodies. Like wriggled and then, or yeah. And then, you know, took their body out of it. That's what I would think. Oh, this would be fun for me and my wife to try to recreate. That's I'm what gonna, I was like. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in the notebook. They did roll pretty organically, or like shake because they're getting invaded at that point. And they're like, I love you, I love you. Yeah. The cra- it yeah, did the, look the, good. Yeah. Of all the things, that scene looked good. But the, te- the scenes that aren't supposed to look good are comically, like, not good, though. But it still works. Sure. That's, it, like, it like how do you feel Jack, how do you think Jack Nicholson felt laying there, on, splayed out on his back in that war room with the flag sticking out of oh, his chest? he felt great about it. Because he, he, yeah. yeah, he's like, I'm done now, I can, <laughs> right. I can go do another movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, which he did many in the 90s. Yeah. Um, so, how do you think you'd fare in a full-scale Martian invasion? Oh, jeez. Um, oh, I would be fine. You know, I'd be just fine. <laughs> I was kidding. I don't know. Because uh, it's a one and done. It's not like when you get shot in the leg or something, you can kind of. I'd probably know, be trying to. Bonnie Parker it off. I, don't know, I wouldn't be as stupid as they were, like, assuming that, like, that it's going to be peaceful. I wouldn't do that. I'd probably be more like. Uh, like a, what's that guy's uh, Jim Brown? Yeah. In it, like I probably yeah, and then you fight him and you punch their head thing or whatever that is helmet. They, yeah their helmet <laughs> their head cover yeah <laughs> to break the glass you know I'd probably be like that which probably could get me killed but at least you go down yeah you go down fine in history yeah, yeah. but no sure. he well, lives I, he's fine he d- yeah he, yeah that's true so I he's, he's in it for Jackie Brown yeah I love it oh, I just think that was a good that was a good plot line too though in the movie like that story with his wife and his kids too well, there was it, a lot of separate plot lines there were it, there were I a lot of story that. arcs and and the two of them together actually were uh, they were uh, actors in black exploitation movies before they were called up to do mm-hmm. called up like it's the majors <laughs> to, to do uh, Mars attacks but to do uh, more movies with white people yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like, you know the big leagues oh damn it <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate that that is the case. Uh, Although next week I'll be speaking with Lee H. Tillman about Sorry to Bother You. It was a 2018 film. Uh, That sounds really familiar. It's, um... Oh, here's the police. Nope, just the... Have you seen The Harder They Fall? No. Well, I might, but when you just say a title... If you show me a picture of it, like if you Google like a picture of the poster or whatever for the movie, I'll probably get it. I'm pretty much the same way. It, it's Lakeith Stanfield, that fella. Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's really hot. He he is, and, but he and he's also great in this movie. It's a you, like you look up anything about it, it, you would not know that it's a sci-fi film. But oh, it is. Okay, it yeah, is. that doesn't look like it. If that's like a no, that was just a, that's just a picture of him. Actually, IMDb being racist as fuck. That's a picture of Donald Glover. Not Whoa! Like, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, that's that's. I was gonna say that's not. No, that's Lakeith right here. Okay, yeah, because when you said that, like, I love Donald Glover, and I was like, oh yeah, well, that is not. You googled that, and that came. That's well, that's the IMDb. Up. Yeah, so um, is super fucked up. Any hoozles? Sorry to bother you. Is a great film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, I'm, IMDb. Wow. So glad I gave you so many shoutouts to. I'm sure they don't care or need it. No. Nor have they heard them. Mm-mm. Um, oh, you never know. They might specifically be looking, listening. Probably not. To you. They're, they're probably not one of the 35 unique listeners that I have on this podcast oh, at this I love point. Thirty-five is yeah. pretty good. It's isn't not it? bad. Yeah, this when is episode nine. No, that's good for yeah, nine it's, episodes. It's not bad. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, and I'm super thankful for for you and other comedians who have been you know willing to jump on the podcast and, and oh, entertain I love me. It. 
I'll and, talk and about movies, her... talk about whatever you want. I don't give a shit. But also, like, this is... I'm really glad that you picked me for this movie and not, like, some kind of movie that I'm just like, no, I can't. No, I, you know, I don't want to listen to, like, guys geeking out for five hours about the entire Star Wars trilogy. Sure. I mean, to each his own, but I'm not going to listen. <laughs> There's nine now. But, uh, but, yeah. Nine? There's nine oh, of them good. now. Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't even know if I've I mean, there's the original, not to mansplain, but there's the original trilogy of 4, 5, and 6, then there's 1, 2, and 3, the follow-up, then Well, I know what the seven, order. Eight, yeah, I know the order. Okay. Yeah, you are mansplaining, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I can count pretty good. I'm fucking with you, but no, I, I swear I can count and read. But, no, I do know the order, and that goes forwards, or starts off, you know, goes back. I, But I just wouldn't have much to say about that's fine. I can mansplain for five hours if you want. Oh, well, I kind of hate that idea, but I can I, tell that you want that. So we're gonna switch well, over just from. Well, thinking of from like, I would ask, I would have a lot of questions, which I think that people would really like. Like the second okay. I ask a question about Star Wars or something, a guy's eye, they like, oh, let me tell you, and I'm like, I don't have three hours, so. But you know. Well, if they corner you, desperately enough, you'll have to have three hours. Hmm. That's. <laughs> Alright. White male voices get misinterpreted, regardless of satire or... Yeah, we just hate it when you guys talk. I'm just kidding. No, I'm no, I'm kidding. I that's not true. No, don't please don't appease me. You already bought me an IPA. I'm still like I'm used to it. Like I there's literally so many other things that I hate so much more, so mm. it's fine. Okay. you you don't even make the list of that. Well, I won't man spread on you. Yikes, what does that mean? Oh, that's like when you're on the subway or on the max and you, like, spread your legs far too wide. Oh, that's just... Allow me to mansplain what mansplain Yeah, I know. Well, well, that's... <laughs> see, I know. The second... It just sounded gross to me. It is. Oh, it I is. I was like... Yeah. But oh, also, super gross. I'm really tall. So, yeah, I'm like, do are. I do that? Like, I don't spread my legs up on... Who, who sits like that? I, uh... I don't think anybody sits like that. I, I was I was raised partially in Europe, so I'm a light crosser. Mm-hmm. So I take a very little space for how big I am. Yeah. So that's that's my fight against. Well, I just don't think it's spreading. comfortable to like sit like that in general. No, it's it's not only uncomfortable to the person doing it; it's uncomfortable to everybody else on the train. <laughs> um, so it's a uh, it's a horrible thing, uh, regardless. Yeah, especially if that's your assigned seat. I'd just be like, can you get a different seat for you and your crotch and I'll yeah. sit somewhere else? Yeah. You know, that'd be fine. That'd be great. Yeah. Speaking of horrible things, uh, I'd like to think that this song, uh, that you know, Slim Whitman's Indian Love Call, the one that ends up killing all the Martians. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, that that would be a good saving grace. I feel like nowadays, though, I feel like, like Lady Gaga's Poker Face might be a good contender if they were to remake it, but, like... <laughs> This I love idea, Lady Gaga. <laughs> I do too. I'm sure people in 1952 love Slim Whitman as well. But you know, like the idea isn't too far fetched in and of itself. Insofar as that, like War of the Worlds, the Tom Cruise vehicle, yeah, you know, like yeah, microbial yeah. life did in the margins at the end of the day, or like the people, yeah. you know, the aliens that were invading. So, like, what song do you think would be a good contender? Yeah, no, I'll do another one. What is it? Oh, it's just a tequila soda one. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you can get another beer if you want. I don't care. Um, oh, I'm, I'm more than good. Thank you. I uh, another song that would make it maybe like something that's like Enya, that's like very like mm. mystical screaming, mm. or or maybe some Yoko Ono. Yeah, Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Um. Oh no, I Jagged to, Little Pill. Yeah, would be great. like a very. I think you can just run the whole album. Of which I. Love Alanis Morissette. I always will forever. That's the first CD I ever got ever in my life. I loved and her as I God her. in Dogma. Oh yes, I love that. Was so good. She's a good God. She's so peaceful and yeah. She <laughs> touches the tip of your nose. Yeah. Like I just want Alanis Morissette to just tell me it's going to be okay and and like go like that. Well, it's isn't bad. it ironic? That, that'll think? never happen. Yeah. Yeah, so. You don't know. You don't know my future. I don't. Alanis no. does. Just kidding. <laughs> That's so true. 
So we talked a little bit about the Fermi paradox. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, that has to do Which with... me. I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. That has to do with whether or not uh, sentient life persists throughout the known universe and what is their likelihood and of reaching us. And explain sentient life, because that just... Like, basically, let me, let me ladies explain, or let me just Please. make it normal for everybody. Basically, the question should have just been, do you think there's life on other planets to which I would have said yes yeah. but if you say sentient or something like that I'm thinking that like you're talking about like germ life or I don't know what the fuck it was well it is nerd terminology or nerd nerdonology um basically it's you know what what do we consider sentient life I think that idea is changing as we when you persist. say so every time you say sen sentient I'm you getting mean to alien. it I'm, tr I'm trying to get to it yeah you gonna, are you gonna maybe if you hurry up Okay, so basically, what it is uh, is the ability. I think, therefore, I am. Is is the most reductionist way I can put it. You know, do we? You know, a lot of that has to do with free will and choice and being able to test whether or not things are, you know, like reactions are chemical or are thought based. So. You know, like, if you cut a head off of a fish and it flops a bunch, you know, like, those are, you know, nerve mm -hmm. reactions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but when you look at something like an octopus and you put it inside of a jar and it's able to, you know, use its physicality to remove itself and do thought process or something like a raven where they can go through an obstacle course in order to reach a goal, I would say that's higher level that. sentience pretty as sure opposed to, like, an ant or... Octopuses and ravens would probably do better with the alien invasion than I would, but... Well, ravens, oddly enough, in uh, War of the Worlds... Thank you. Uh, thank you. Were the ones, you know, they, they breached the outer hull of the alien vessels, and it was our mi microbes what? on our planet... I'm bringing it back to World of uh, World of Worlds, the. Um, so th this isn't real. This is in a movie. This is in a movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's, <laughs> it's like okay, guy. Tell me real or fake right now, or I'm gonna freak out. It's yeah. for realsies. No, it's no, it's for fakesies. No. Uh, so basically, what I'm getting at is that you know, like uh, an unforeseen entity or microbial speed bump is what stopped that full-scale world invasion of a higher intelligence than us, which is something that science can actually pinpoint to. Yeah, if we were to just step foot on another planet, or an Earth-type planet, uh, would we fall to certain illnesses that you know, like that were unforeseen. I mean, I, I think oh, that's yeah. I think that's more likely than us to be able to pervade yeah, throughout the galaxy. Fucked. Yeah, we'd be fucked. We don't even do good when the weather is hot outside. Mm. Like, it's just, seriously. Yeah. Like, it's not, uh, and I don't either. I hate the hot weather. But I, no, we would not be, well, we'd have to. That's why we live in Portland. Ugh, we only yeah. get it like three months out of I know, year. and I hate those three months. Oh, but I just, I mean, it's nice to see the sunshine, but like. I heard Anchorage, Alaska has a great comedy scene. I lived in Alaska for a while. It was really fun. Where? I liked it. Uh, well, I worked there, I guess okay. I should say. I worked in Naknek, Alaska at a fish cannery, of all things. Yeah. Crazy stories. Yeah. you. That does feel like another planet. Mm hmm. You get off the plane there, like the rattly plane that has like chickens on it too, right. and you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's a okay. stick of gum with a propeller yeah, on it. Yeah, it's like really yeah. fucked up, and you get there, and you're like, yes, okay, I made it. And You, you made it to Alaska. And then you get off the plane, and you're like, where in the fuck am I? But it's also very majestic. Mm. You know? Well, sure, yeah. That, you know, and that's why a lot of people are attracted the... to the Yukon and such places. But no, I. They're there. You can, mm -hmm. you can go see them. No, it was fun. I made um, my, like, the woman that shared a bunk with me was, like, you, she told me that I would be the one that would be able to go get the mota out of all of them, and I didn't know what mota was, and then they were, like, weed, and I was like, yes, I want that too, and then they sent me over to Fabian, because it's women's... Is that a town or a person? A person. Okay. And there's, like, a woman's dorm and a men's dorm, right? But Fabian, his only exchange, like, you don't have to pay him, he he just wanted to massage my feet. Uh, and I was like, all right, ladies, I will do this for you. And actually, total gentleman, just massage my feet. 
We got some weed. And got no other there. pretense, just yeah, no. One for one foot yep. massage for mm-hmm. weed he bag. Had, All right. He had been wanting to probably talk to me for a little bit, but okay. we yeah we talked a little and and I just like just took off my shoes and he massaged my feet and I was like I don't know why you'd want to do this. We're in a fish cannery, mm. working like fifteen hour days. Mm, sardine toes. Yeah, I smell like shit. I'm sure, but hey, you get what you get in. They didn't care. Hackensack, Alaska. Knack knack. Okay. Hack. It's not hacky sack, Alaska. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm sure there are a lot of people who know you how to play hacky sack. You can go there. It's a if you want to make three grand. Well, hopefully it should be way more money now. But I think I for back then I made a lot of money. I don't know. I'd for be, like a I'd, teenager in like okay. three or four months. I'd be Zoidbergen. I'd be crabbing. I'd be out there on one of them boats. Oh, they make a shit ton more money, but they it's made also like twenty five grand. Yeah, in it's a two and seriously and a half, dangerous yeah, job, and I've dangerous. seen them. Like, I go down to the dock, and like, I've seen those like fishermen, and they look like so fucking haggard, and like, just I just want to be like, let's do a facial night mm. with you. Like, can you want to take a shower? You know, and have some food. They should do a They're, clear eye Alaska. Yeah, a, well, for the fishing. Yeah. They really should. That would be a really good idea. Yeah, they're in Austin this season. Oh, I saw that. They yeah. were, that's great. Talk, talk about a show I can talk about all day. Queer Eye, yes. Oh. I want to Queer Eye Portland, for sure. Or just Portland? Uh, well, I would Queer Eye everywhere, but I just want to like help. I thought about it when I was watching earlier. I was like, there's a few male comedians that I would give me just an hour, and you'd be feeling so much better. I, I, could, th- I could think of a few. Like the biggest tip really is like the the mustache that mm. doesn't touch your lips. Like you yeah. have a good mustache. Thank you. I mean you have a full beard, but it's trimmed nice. You're not like eating your mustache. Yeah, my whiskers. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm very. Pres- you know, I, I I have a manscaping schedule. Good. That I abide by. Well, that's called self care. Back when I was a lad, it was called metrosexuality. Oh yeah, that's right. I do yeah. remember that. Isn't that weird? Like, I, I Metrosexual. Yeah, I, I was la- about I was that. labeled as such forever. Well, if you feel like dealing with Kelly or hearing her talk, <laughs> you can, uh, your your the next mic is on Tuesday at, at Firkins Lounge. Where else can we see you perform? Oh, anywhere that will have me. <laughs> Just so many places. No, I um I think right now in general it's kind of like a scarce like time to do it just because of the what is it the every time we say like the new variant name I just think of like this really mean Lego man what's it like Emojicron or something I don't know what his name is Emojicron's yeah. a great name yeah I don't know <laughs> if that is the Omicron, fact Omicron is that it that's it yes but, but he looks he just reminds I just picture like Emojicron really, sounds like the newest transformer yeah yeah that's kind of what I picture but like small Lego version so I don't <laughs> yeah I don't, uh, I've kind of been avoiding a little, but I am bringing the mic back this Tuesday. Awesome. Fingers crossed. Well, if it is um, there, I will be there. Good. And In, in the meantime, is yes. uh, happening right now over on 21st, yes. Schmitz and Mike. You want to go hit that? I would love it. Yeah. What time is it? Okay, it's 6.40. So we better get a move on. Because right. sign, signups are over in 20 minutes, so we gotta go. Oh, it's fine. I know, Amanda. We're good. Awesome. Or at least I am. See, this is why I really do this podcast. For the free <laughs> beer and the inns. That's what I'm all Thank about. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks I really, for being here. I really appreciate it. I know I get off topic, but that's okay. Because there's know, only so totally much fine. you can say about Mars Attacks. It's, that's true. It's excellent. You should see it again. You should definitely smoke weed beforehand. Yes. And you'll love it. Yes. Or any other drug, because they've all been decriminalized now here in Oregon. <laughs> do whatever you feel like. Almost, yeah. Almost. Well... I'll pump you full of some LSD. We'll watch it together. Ooh, I might have to get a Band-Aid. Oh, you... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I have one. You do? Oh, you're I like... Do. You're like a... I'll trade you a beer for a Band-Aid. I have one. That's great. Okay. Always awesome getting together to chat with Kelly. Make sure to check out her comedy open mic at Firkins Lounge in Southeast Portland. That's every Tuesday with signups at 8.30. I've worked that room a couple of times, and it is always a great crowd in a very Portland establishment.
You guessed it, yep, it's time for today's water cooler fact. Repo Man director Alex Cox tried to make the film first. Alex Cox is best known for writing and directing the 1984 cult classic Repo Man, as well as the acclaimed 1986 punk rock drama Sid and Nancy, which chronicled the fatal romance between the Sex Pistols Sid Vicious and his girlfriend Nancy Spungen. Those movies gave him a lot of heat in Hollywood, but they couldn't help him succeed in launching his own version of Mars Attacks, which he very much wanted to do. The filmmaker had been a fan of the card series as a child, managing to procure a whole set before they were banned by the British Parliament. On his official website, Cox says that he proposed a Mars Attacks movie to Orion Pictures and TriStar Pictures. Over the course of four years, he penned three different drafts of a screenplay. Despite all this work, the studios still wouldn't greenlight his script. Another writer was assigned to the project, which was eventually shelved until the 1990s, when Tim Burton picked up the ball. If you want to know what an Alex Cox version of Mars Attacks might have been like, he did post a PDF file of his third draft script online, I encourage you to look it up. Take particular note of the fact that he describes the walls of a public relations company containing, quote, pictures of former presidents Carter, Reagan, and Donald Trump on the walls. Apparently, the man is psychic. Well, folks, that about ends it for today's Mind Invasion. Try not to listen to too much Tom Jones, and definitely don't play it backwards. Ah, uh, yes. Hail, sweet, sweet Satan. I mean science. Uh, I feel like I really want to hear a Rick Astley, Tom Jones duet happen. Can we make that happen? We're going to work on making that happen. Next week, we're taking a look at a more recent sci-fi film, Sorry to Bother You, which was recommended to me by fellow Portland comedian Lee H. Tillman, who I'll be interviewing about this head trip of a film. I definitely recommend checking this one out, but it can be hard to find a little bit, depending on which uh, cousin's password you have for various streaming platforms. As always, I'd like to acknowledge my sources for today's episode, which are looper.com, screenrant.com, and Wikipedia, because if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true, my own nerd knowledge, combined with that of my wife and research partner, Amanda. Check us out next week, Tuesday, same time, same place, here only on Shady Pines Radio. Oh, and before we go, I think it's important to note that this song is very much called Indian Love Call. Did not age very well for 1952. Enjoy. When I'm calling you Will you answer to
belong to me. 